1: That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash acast. Sounds Pants Radio, Australia's most cowardly
2: podcast network. Hello
0: and welcome to Scaredy Boys, a podcast where three cowardly friends discuss horror movies. I'm Damien. I'm Sean. And I'm Tom. And for this episode, we watched Pan's Labyrinth. Pan's Labyrinth is the 2006 Spanish-Mexican dark fantasy written and directed by Guillermo del Toro. Set in Spain in 1944, it follows 10-year-old Ophelia, a girl fascinated with fairy tales, who along with her pregnant mother is sent to live with her new stepfather, a ruthless captain of the Spanish army at a remote outpost. There she meets a fairy who takes her to an old fawn in the centre of a decaying labyrinth. The fawn tells her she's a princess but must prove her royalty by surviving three gruesome tasks. So not only do we get to talk about this wonderful flick today, but leading us into the labyrinth is our own personal fairy slash stick bug. It's Kywin like <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh, I think that's the nicest thing anyone's ever said about me. <laughs> Have you ever been called
4: a stick insect before?
3: Not in such a nice way, to be honest. <laughs> Damo has that effect on people.
4: He's just a good boy. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad. Um,
0: Firstly, I'd like to actually say a very genuine thanks for suggesting this movie. So often when we have guests, we don't want to thank them. We want to do the exact opposite by giving them a big fuck you. I want to give a big thank you cuz damn I love this movie. It's so good. You're
3: welcome. This is why you should have cowards on more often. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. You're
0: the <laughs> yeah. It's so good. <laughs> so good. Um well what's your let's start with your history with this movie.
3: Um I saw this one in the cinema when it came out. Um yeah. and at the time I was I think in my second year of film school so like mm-hmm. deep in film wankery. Yeah. Um and I think it's pretty much the only movie I fell in love with during That embarrassing time of my life that I still genuinely love and and watch. I think I've seen it at least 20 20 plus times. I have the novelization. Okay, fantastic.
0: (laughs) Does that include like all of Del Toro's drawings and all that sort of stuff?
3: Uh, No, that's just got like these really pretty wood prints and stuff. But his uh, sketches and stuff are in his cabinet of curiosities, which I also have.
4: There it is. Okay, great. Yeah, they're both there. They're both in that shelf. Yeah. yeah.
3: Look, if it wasn't cold, I would be wearing my Del Toro T-shirt. So.
4: <laughs> well, to be honest, after watching this,
0: I was doing my normal researchy stuff. And, yeah, as soon as I read about how he does so many notes for all his movies and does all these drawings and, like, has this incredible guidebook, I guess, I'm like, cool, how do I get that? I want, I want to own that thing because it's such a beautiful movie.
3: Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, the book I have is, like, basically a collection of... I think it it was released in 2014 so basically a collection of all of his concept art and note-taking on all of his films until then so it's basically just a big book of monsters from um, hellboy and uh the devil's backbone and everything else he's done it's amazing
0: that's awesome
2: is his note-taking thing is that like i think i've heard this in the past he does like Mm -hmm. volumes and volumes for each project
3: yeah yeah i think before he wrote pan's labyrinth that basically existed just fully in his head and just this massive stack of like Mm. sketches and note-taking before he even wrote a script. Like, I think he pitched the uh, guy who played Vidal, basically mm-hmm. the whole movie, beat for beat. Yeah. He's like, oh, can I see a script? He's like, no, I haven't written it. <laughs> <yet. laughs> I haven't
2: written yet, <laughs> was, there, was there a film that Del Toro lost? Like, he lost his notebooks or something?
0: Well, that's this one, actually. So, oh, I this read film. this. Yeah, so he had his big, all his notes and his drawings and all that sort of stuff and left it in the back of a cab. And basically, <laughs> the cab driver... Saw it, realized basically how important it was, and tracked Del Toro down, like, at a, at a cost to himself. Oh. Wow. Hero. Bless
4: that man. That is... So, we would not have had this movie if it hadn't have been for that cab driver.
0: Pretty much, because the film was far from completed.
4: Yeah, That far, is wow. huge. Yeah. Like, the idea... It, it's one of those things where, I guess, hearing that makes me so disappointed that we never got... I'm disappointed about this every day that I wake mm. up. I have a moment where I think about this. But disappointed <laughs> that we never got Del Toro's Hobbit. Like I was knowing just that, saying
3: this to someone like yesterday.
4: Oh, just because it all would have been there. And, mm. y- you know, it just it wouldn't have been three movies that go for like yeah. 800 hours that I don't care about. Like, yeah. Tom, <laughs> There's an <yeah>.
3: alternate <laughs> timeline where Del Toro's Hobbit got made and nothing terrible ever happened ever <laughs> The world is at peace for all it's time. It's the perfect timeline. That's where the, the branch happens. <laughs> yeah. We yeah.
4: get he doesn't make the Hobbit and we're in lockdowns all the time yeah. but if he does mm-hmm. make the Hobbit f- we're all rich somehow world peace world peace climate
3: change gets stopped it's oh
4: like, man yeah. that timeline absolutely rules James Corden exists in both unfortunately oh. out, so. but in the
3: other timeline he's just like working at a cafe Ah, oh, this is oh man <laughs> I'm gonna go to there <laughs> no one's gonna be thrusting at you on a <laughs> No. so
0: Kynwin when, when you watch this at the cinema. Were you, was it like love at first sight or were you were you still, was the coward in you enough to be like, oh, this is this is scary and a bit gross?
3: Um, luckily, the coward in me disappears the second anything like this movie happens. Yeah. Like I was the most cowardly child imaginable, mm. but I was the only kid who was able to watch The Dark Crystal without crying. <laughs> and I feel like this is probably the exact same part of my brain. Right. Waking up, yeah.
0: So dark fantasy, you are like whatever, throw it at me, I'll yep, take it. Pretty much. Hmm. So I actually had the exact opposite experience. So I, I remember watching this when it came out, and in my memory, I was like a little boy. But I think it was just because I had the fear of a little boy because this movie isn't that old for me to be a little boy when I watched this. <laughs> there's no way, there's no, no math on earth when no, you are ten. Exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> I wish, I wish, but instead, like, I was a man and I was just terrified. <laughs> and like, the thing that I remember traumatized me the most. So I, this is only, I only rewatched this for the second time recently to for the the podcast and i'm like oh man i've been doing myself a disservice because it's so far up my alley it's not even funny but the thing that disturbed me on the first watch was actually the guy getting bottled oh yeah Yeah. that's
3: definitely the worst part of this right
0: and to me that was the climax of the movie i always thought oh that's so terrible it has to be and instead it's like right up the front second thing he does it's like the (laughs) second thing he does it's his like i was thinking about it's his reverse save the cat Bottle an innocent farmer. So just so the audience knows, hey, this guy's a real piece of shit. Yeah. Um. And yeah, I couldn't believe it was so early in the film because in my mind I built it up to be such a terrible horror, which it is a terrible, horrible thing. But I built it up to be like the worst thing of the whole movie. where really, yeah, it's just such an early
2: addition. It's the thing you remember for sure. That and yeah. and the pale man for me. Yes. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. The the bottling thing's interesting because I think it's probably the most graphically violent part of the film. Absolutely. Mm. And it happens. Like it happens way earlier than I remembered as well, Damo. I right. remembered it. I have a yeah, my my memory of it was that it was in the captain's uh, in his room, like down, you know, yeah, okay, inside, not outside. Yeah, I, yeah. I thought it happened
0: way later, right? See, on this rewatch, I was even thinking like. I couldn't remember who he bottled. I just know he bottled someone. Yeah. I'm like, shit! Oh, don't tell me it's the his wife. Don't tell me it's the mum. I was like, I was going
2: to the darkest possible places. Yeah,
3: it's okay. It's a random farmer. <laughs> it's an innocent oh, farmer. That's fine. That's yeah.
4: farmers. Whatever.
2: Did you guys read that Del Toro like lived through a similar experience to that? A friend of his was bottled like that.
0: Oh, shit, yes. no. Holy
2: so this happened in 20. Oh, I don't know when he was a young man, probably. Right. And he was getting whipped. By chains, by this mm. guy, and his friend was getting bottled much in the same way as the character in the film. And he said the weird little detail that he remembered, and he still remembers to this day, is that the bottle never broke. Oh, and so that's why you get <laughs> what we yeah, get in this film.
3: Clubbed with the end of the bottle yeah, oh,
4: <sighs> bottle doesn't break. Far that's out. so brutal. I think my thing was I remembered it being. I remember the bottle scene being violent, mm. but I remember in my head being like, "Oh, that's not." I remember it being early because mm. I remember it being outside, and I'm like. In my head, I've gone, it's the entree to a much more violent act later. And I had the whole um, the mouth-cutting thing way worse than it... Like, it's still awful, yeah, yeah, but yeah. I was like, oh, it feels like... I, I thought he did it to himself or someone spooks... Like, I couldn't remember the scenario that it happens mm. in. But then I was getting confused. What I had done is I can, had combined the scene where he sews his mouth together... Yeah. And the scene where he gets his face cut with the scene where he mimes cutting his own throat in the mirror. Right, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'd basically morph them all into one horrific straight razor <laughs> Sweeney yeah, Todd. that's way worse. Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> Pleasantly surprised that it wasn't it. However, I I watched this not when it came out. I watched this a few years later when I was going through a phase that my friend and I had where we were like, look at all these cool movies no one's Mm. ever seen before. But like everyone, (laughs) it's dumb idiots. Like when you discover the Beatles, but you haven't. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But Yeah. So we watched it together and I hadn't watched it again since. Mm. And I was like, oh, maybe if. There's, uh, there's some other things that weren't as scary. And I'm like, oh, maybe I'm remembering like the intensity of the pale man saying it incorrectly. Nah, that was correct. That <laughs> yeah. is, is burned into my head. Yeah, yeah,
3: he's horrifying.
4: He's the f- absolute Just worst. Casual. Yeah,
3: <laughs> uh,
0: he's easily the worst of the monsters. But mm. like, I do think one of the things I find interesting about Del Toro, both like in this and Shape of Water. And what's the other one we did for Scaredy Boys? Crimson Peak. Crimson Peak. It's all the like, the things that definitely disturb me the most is the human on human graphic violence that yeah, he does sure. so well. Like in Shape of Water, it's the, the hands rotting. And yeah. then in um, Crimson Crimson Peak, Peak, it's the bathroom. It's the bathroom scene. Exactly right. Yeah. Like, And I think it's so interesting that he does have these monsters that are so unique and so uniquely disturbing and chilling uh, in that fantastical way. Yet, for me at least, they're not the things that really- haunt me, it is easily the, the human element that is so disturbing. Yeah, yeah, for sure.
3: I really respect a man who has a film full of literal monsters and he's still like, no, it's the fascists. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. 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 <laughs> <laughs>
4: but that's that's the thing. In, I think everything that I can recall, not having seen everything he's done, but everything I've seen of Del Toro's, mm. there are sometimes a bad monster, a la like a pale man. Yeah but the monsters are never the worst villains. Mm, yeah. There's always a worse human villain. Yes. Like yeah. even in um, Pacific Rim, the giant <laughs> monsters are bad, but they're just giant. Yeah. The gangsters who like profit off the monsters are bad. Right.
2: <laughs> I-, I love that he doesn't shy away from, from having that, from having the not much of a difference between the men and the monsters. Like mm. even in this, and I didn't pick this up back when I watched it when it first came out. But even just having the pale man be the monster at the head of the table and then paralleling that with Captain Vidal sitting at the head of the table with the big banquet and all the food. That's very good. Like, just little touches like that are awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Well, something I wanted to ask you, Kynwin. So, going back to that, one thing
0: I noticed on this rewatch was that opening shot where we see Ophelia, she's bleeding, the blood starts to run backwards. And I just was thinking fuck that's a great opening shot like it does it does to me what like a, a a first line or a first shot needs to do where you're the audience is already asking so many questions there's so many questions you've got to know the answer to so as someone who obviously writes novels like ha- how do you go about that like what's your mode of getting into that first line and starting your story
3: oh that's interesting um I kind of I have to have the first chapter I don't so much care about the first line, but I have to have the first chapter mm-hmm. kind of really set before I get on with the rest of my novel. Um, right. and then it tends not to change at all from that point on. Um, yeah, but yeah, I think, oh, <laughs> I definitely haven't written anything as good as that, but um,
1: yeah.
3: <laughs> I think, yeah, I think the key thing is that you're setting up your character. And I think, yeah, that first opening shot, especially in this one, kind of just mm. shows you that a failure is someone who, for better or worse, is gonna stride straight into danger um yeah that's what we watch for the rest of the thing but yeah i think it's it's so important to set up that that awesome character
0: i agree and like i read this line from del toro um where he's talking about ophelia and her and her nature and he basically sort of says she's got this courageous disobedience that's sort of the heart of her
3: oh for sure um
0: and i I'd th- I love I just love the term co- courageous disobedience, but like <laughs> yeah, it's like obviously that's what, what sort of wins her the day technically within the fairy realm, obviously, yes, because she didn't give up her brother, she was able to go off and be the princess, and I really like that, but the, the it was actually in reference to when she ate um down in the the pale man's little mm. dungeon. Which is so interesting. Like I'm getting a bit ahead of ourselves, but because clearly to me the biggest did they act wisely or foolishly is her eating that grape. So I can see like Del Toro explaining that gives me at least a little bit of like okay, that's that was a bit of a setup for her later on that courageous disobedience and her and like as well as like opposing fascism, I guess opposing those hard
4: (laughs) rules. It's it's really nice that you you kind of get because rewatching it, I always thought it was like when I first watched it, it's really focused in on Ophelia. But Mm. she's like, there's like two movies going, and she's in one. Absolutely. It's completely separate to this other one involving Mercedes. Yeah. And they both, because Mercedes and Ophelia are basically the same person, right? Can
3: we just mention what a fucking legend Mercedes is? (laughs) she (laughs) is. She is the MVP of this whole movie. Oh, for
4: yeah, when she stabs him in the face and she's like, "I'm not some old man or a prisoner that you've mm. tortured. Like, I'm yeah. like, I'm gonna kill you." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Needed to needed yeah. to go the throat though. Character Zacharias, like, unfortunately, don't cut his face, go his neck. That's it's okay right
2: though, because we got a better moment later when he did die. That was huge.
4: That's true. That's a pretty good fuck you moment, actually. Yeah. yeah.
3: Such a great. You know, like first you kill the man and then you kill the man. Yes, <laughs> yes.
4: Well, it's, it's it's taking away the thing that was most important to him, which was a legacy. Yeah, yeah. just being like, you know, tell him who his father was.
2: No, yeah, no. absolutely
3: not. <laughs> he's a
2: superb actor though, because that look on his face when they stop mm. him and they're like, "No, no, he's not going to know who you are," and just yeah. just his face just dies. It's, yeah. yeah, he's brilliant. I read that he was like a sort of a comedy actor before this.
3: Yeah, he was a soapy actor, I think. And everyone went like, when he hired him, they were like, don't hire him. He's shit. He's like, fuck you.
0: (laughs) Well, I've actually got del Toro's line. So someone was basically, yeah, telling him this guy's like, he's a melodramatic comedy actor. He's like, oh, like, you you know, you wouldn't know this because you're Mexican. Obviously, this is a Spanish film. Um but he's not gonna be able to deliver the performance. And then Del Toro replied, Well it's not that I don't know, it's that I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
4: I love that so much. That's so he's, good. <laughs> yeah, he's
2: a great spirit, isn't he? Yeah, he, I, he is gave exactly. up all he
4: didn't get paid for this film. That's right. Which, I think he gave up his salary for it. Yeah. Legend. D- Del Toro, the guy playing Vidal. Del Toro. That's there's so many, like, good stories about him just doing good things for people. Yeah. Like, I, I know that with, with the Hobbit thing, it obviously didn't go through, but apparently he was, like, just gave Peter Jackson all the stuff right. he'd done and be like, there you go, you know? Yeah. Someone's got to use it. And it's yeah. like, oh, did Peter Jackson just set it all on fire? <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> but even, like, there's that that crazy, that absolutely wild story about how James Cameron... Paid the ransom money for his family right. or a friend. Yeah, of when his. his dad
2: was kidnapped. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
3: So many yeah. wild stories coming out of a uh, coming out of the background. Is had
0: an insane? <laughs> it's just life. incredible. Yeah. yeah. He seems like to me like a human Totoro is how I have pictured
2: yeah. him. Yeah. Yeah. I even no, read good. like I can't remember which character it is in this, which creature, but it was like Del Toro had the idea for this creature because some place he worked at, he had to walk through the morgue every day and then went and had lunch in the cemetery. <laughs> it's like what the <laughs> hell is your life? Oh my man? God.
3: <laughs> I mean this is a guy who ended up making monster movies, so yeah. True yeah. enough.
2: Well like the yeah, I yeah. read
0: that the fawn in the movie was inspired by a lucid dream he would repeatedly have when he was a child where Every midnight, he would wake up and a fawn would gradually step out from behind a grandfather clock. Yeah, so that
3: man has literally
4: fucked.
2: met
3: a fawn. Like-
4: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess, yeah.
2: So he had that nightmare made Pan's Labyrinth. Tom, what are you going to do with your recurring Ewan McGregor nightmare?
4: <laughs> Get excited for Ewan's Labyrinth starring a small boy fighting fascism in rural Australia.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, well, another thing I wanted to talk about was the fairy tale of this movie because it's such a... Like, Man, I loved it so much. Like I said, it's so far up my alley, but it just made me want to watch everything that could possibly be in a dark fairy tale realm. But one thing I noticed watching this one was like, when he can, he really subverts it. So one thing I was thinking is that we've got a wicked stepfather instead of wicked stepmother. And then another one was that normally in fairy tales, yet there's some sort of magical animal leads you to the awesome fantasy realm. But in this one it's not a cute mammal of any kind it's like this insect it's like you know something fairly uh, more in the unpleasant realm um and then even yeah with instead of the opposite nice thing at the start save the cat moment we bottle an innocent farmer <laughs> like i love that he he really goes for the dark side of the fairy tale nature all the way through
3: yeah for mm. sure
0: and another thing i noticed on that um so one one thing i read was that the circle there's a lot of circles around ophelia because it's sort of that's symbolizing that she's sort of in this different realm wherein In the especially for the general there's a lot of straight lines and this sort of stuff sort of getting their nature across tell me if any of you guys picked up on this but I have a theory that before uh, she does the three tasks we see three circles above the bath when she's in that bath for the first time in the window or the window is these three circles and I sort of caught that I'm like oh that seems there for a reason so I made a note of that and then later on after she's done the first one she's got the lantern and there's two circles on that lantern So I'm like, okay, maybe every time she does a thing, and then if it is true, the last one when she goes, she gets put in her own room, away from her mother. There's a single circular window in her bedroom.
3: Oh shit.
2: Dang, right. mate, that is you're a fucking detective. I have never noticed
3: that, but I am the least observant person in the world. But that's cool because, like, the whole thing's about the she's got the moon shaped tattoo, and it's all about the yep. full moon. So, yeah. mm. but that's great.
0: That's big, mate. But that's the Del Toro effect. Like, he—that's what I love about his movies. Apart from the fact that they're like so in my wheelhouse, but also that. He's got so much care and craft for the film that it forces me to care more and look for these little things because I don't want to miss out. Like, if he's put something there, I want to find it, you know.
3: um, Just, like, the art direction in every single one of his films is just stunning. Like, there's always so much to look at in every single frame, but not in that insane cluttered way just
0: yeah yeah awesome not in that gaudy sort of like even i don't know like suicide squad it will throw everything at you at one sort of thing yeah and even like yeah on the on that the, the last one note that i had on the inversion fairy tale is how much Ophelia's dress looks like Alice in Wonderland.
3: Yeah. Yes. Especially when she's crawling down. and Right.
0: Instead of baby blue, we've got this dark jade instead of down a rabbit hole, she's crawling under a disgusting tree where this toad is living.
3: Full of slugs. Yeah.
0: Just love it. (laughs) I love it.
3: Yeah. So good. But also like you've got the, um, you've got the dead father instead of a dead mother, which is usually. Right. Yes. Actually the two films I've talked about with you guys, it's been like this really unusual dead, (laughs) Father surviving mother <laughs> situation.
4: Yeah, that's mm. true. Real dark fairy tales yeah. stuff. Oh, yeah. Like one's a one's a boogeyman who just needs a friend. And this one is a fairy tale who just needs a fashion. <laughs> <kid>. It's
3: almost <laughs> like I have a type or something.
4: <laughs> I was I was about to ask, how much does like obviously you you love this movie, you've got his all of his stuff. How much does Del Toro's stuff influence your stuff? Mm.
3: I think massively, not not consciously unless I'm trying to like write about someone with amazing sleeves because um, <laughs> yeah. Del Toro is also all about amazing sleeves. Um, but yeah, like I really like um, both Del Toro and Miyazaki um, mm-hmm. kind of really influences the way I write villains and the way I write monsters and yeah. sort of magical creatures. Cause I also generally subscribe to a, the villain is usually someone just with conflicting motives rather than someone who's straight up evil. Cause I find that this movie aside sometimes boring. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I I just love the fact that humans are like, I'm not going to go, Oh, humans are the, are the scourge. Humans are the plague. But I do think humans are much more complex and much more capable of hurting each other. And I think that's what I find like, that's what in horror really Mm. frightens me. Like it's not beasties it's like i can watch the alien movies really comfortably mm. because i'm not actually that worried about an alien messing up right. my life but like i'm quite worried about people being terrible in my direction
4: yeah yeah, yeah. the strangers is not a, like oh. the
2: aliens i easy. will never
3: fucking watch that movie. <laughs> i will never <laughs> sleep again i saw the poster yeah and yeah. i think about it every time i go on holiday. i'm happy for
2: you <laughs> don't watch it
3: yeah. <laughs> i haven't even listened to your episode so i refused. yeah i yeah. no, don't
0: but yeah i agree like when you can empathize with a villain it one it makes it way more interesting like you said, like Miyazaki is a great example of that because his villains are so like, by the end of it, you completely understand them and like almost care for some of them. Yeah, like
3: Princess Mononoke is just like that. Here are three factions who all want the same thing. Yeah,
0: Yeah, Yeah. it's beautiful. But then also on the fear factor, I think you're right. Because if, if I can understand why a person is doing a thing, it makes it more likely to happen in my head. Because, well, then any human on the worst day could become that. Terrible monster. Yeah.
3: Mm. Like, as well, like the pale man, truly horrifying. For sure. But if you don't eat the man's food, like. <laughs> yeah, you're pretty
2: safe there. Super yeah. easy. Look at that food, though. Stoppable. Look at that food. What are you supposed to do? <laughs> it's just fruit
3: and shit. <laughs> Who she it? hadn't
2: Sean. eaten the night before as well. Didn't she go to bed without yeah, dinner? She, came she dirty. was dirty. Yeah, yeah. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Why did you, what do you expect? Yeah. yeah. I can't believe she picked a grape out of anything. Come on,
3: mate. I also thought, why the fucking grape? But then I remembered, this is like deep fascist Spain, Hmm. and they're on food rations. So she actually, like, fresh fresh fruit fruit is, like, exciting back then, I guess. Potentially. She's, like, low-key got scurvy. She needs (laughs) (laughs) Look,
4: Look, we've all been at the supermarket, and if you take a grape while you walk around the supermarket, it's not a crime.
3: Actually, that's fair. And, like, what little kid, like, doesn't reach out and grab a cheeky little grape as they're going past it. So. Yeah, that's
4: true. Imagine you're just in like Woolies or Coles or like your local yeah. grocery store and you just take a grape and then you just hear like this like kissing <laughs> noise and the pale man just comes out. And he just
3: <laughs> rises from the oranges.
4: Yeah. Just comes out of the loading dock pushing a trolley with <laughs> a hand out. Like, with a little like Coles name tag on. Yeah. <laughs> pale and... <laughs> <M.
1: laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, were we scared? Oh, yeah. 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 The first right. time I
3: watched it, I was scared, but that was oh, literally So now years ago.
2: The, the 20th time, not so much? No,
3: honestly. Yeah. I just, this is my yeah. comfort <laughs> movie, which I know is insane. But. What,
0: what would have scared you the most? Would it have been The Pale Man?
3: Yeah, back then it was uh, definitely the first time I watched it, The Pale oh. Man gave me some uncomfortable nighttime feelings. Yes. <laughs> and then also just, yeah, I think Vidal is a great terrifying yeah, yeah. villain because, yeah, I mean, glasses yeah, and right. to death yeah. without breaking the glass. That's yeah.
4: that's yeah. powerful. And then blame someone else for him killing an innocent. He has that whole thing where he hands the rabbits to him and he's like, search them properly mm, next time. Yeah. Like, this man's death is on
2: right.
3: you. It's very Scott Morrison yeah. of him. Yeah. <laughs>
2: I think he's one of the best screen villains. Yeah. I think he's that fucking mm, good. Yeah. Like... Uh, Del Toro asked him to drop his voice by an octave as well Just to make him more menacing. Oh, okay. He said drop it by an octave But also speak in a really neutral way whenever you can Right Because yeah You could imagine an actor looking at that character And being like oh, I'm just going to go really big right, right But this guy doesn't He goes small yes. And it's way scarier Yeah
3: it's like really um, kind of shark like the way he's like, he's really mm, yeah. still and he's really like sleek, he's pristine, his uniform's just right, his hair's mm-hmm. just right. Yep. And then you see him like watch himself in the mirror and like slash his own throat, like mm, yeah. theoretically, like he hates himself almost as much as he hates everyone else, right, which is yeah. also really quite scary. He's
4: got daddy oh. issues. Yeah, oh,
2: so time, many yeah. daddy
3: issues. <laughs> that,
4: that whole, that whole. Again, it's it's just painting the picture of this man, that whole bit at the banquet mm. where that guy tells the story and just the the, the barely contained... The only reason that everyone at that table isn't dead mm. is because he isn't allowed to kill them. <laughs> right, yes. Like, yeah. the yeah. barely suppressed rage and just the, no, that's not true. Mm. And you're mm. like... Why would you lie about that? Why are you yeah. so? You are so fractured into so many. Like, he's not a. Yeah. If he wasn't so bad, that would almost be your redeemable. Oh, I get why this mm-hmm. guy. I mean, you do get why he is yeah. the way he is sure. from that little, little beat. He's yeah. just a. This is what he does. He's, he's. It's
3: like, yeah, like he's so afraid of anyone knowing what could potentially be a vulnerable mm-hmm. fact about mm-hmm. him that he just lies that his dad ever had a yes. watch and then just negates the whole story and makes this other guy look like a big Yeah. He'd
2: be dead. yeah. I think he definitely killed Ophelia's dad as well. You reckon? Oh, that's my take on the on the rewatch. Yeah,
0: I think he right because he would have already met Ophelia. Yep. He would have met Ophelia's mum. Yep. And then yeah, the, oh, we would met again later after he, uh, he came back yep. in.
2: Whether he killed him or he had you know men right. kill him for him, I, th- I think it's I think there's enough there to sort of yeah. lightly imply. I'm instantly it. on board, Sean. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> mm. Yeah,
3: my yep. alternate theory. Oh. Um. Because I reckon her dad died just war. Generalness. <laughs> just um, the general
2: war, yep. On the death certificate, war. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. War brackets general. But, like, he just give-
3: <laughs> but um like he just gives he gives absolutely no shit about this woman. Mm. Like he doesn't care that she's beautiful, he doesn't care that she has anything to say. Like he clearly doesn't have a lot of like like he doesn't even sort of lust for right. her really. Like he barely even looks at her. And she, on the other hand, we know that she's been alone for a long time, and she's mm. lonely, and I'd say pretty depressed. So I'm going to say that this woman basically kind of fixated on him right. a little. Yes.
1: Um,
3: and he basically took advantage of a very lonely, depressed woman who possibly struggling to take care of her daughter mm. yes. in yes. the yeah. war times. Right. Yeah.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So,
3: yeah, I'm going to say, like, either way, he's a huge dickhead, but yeah. I think, <laughs> like, he probably sees in her... This woman's gonna give me a, a, a son. son. Mm, yeah. She can hang out until he's born and then he probably would have yeah. neglected her to death or actively.
2: Right. He literally only cares about the son. In fact, mm. when they arrive at the house, I don't speak Spanish, but there's the way that he greets them, there's a certain there's two ways you can greet people in that language, I think I was reading. Mm. And it's like if there are two women, you say hello in a certain way, but if there's a man present, you say it in a certain way. And he greets them as the man. Oh. Right. So he's literally he's just talking he's he's She's invisible, he's talking to his son. He's on
1: both son. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's well, awesome.
4: He doesn't really kiss her or anything. He puts a no. hand on her pregnant stomach. Like that's Yeah. yeah. and even that, that great bit with the doctor where the doctor's like, How do you know it's a boy? And he's just like, Don't fuck with me. Yeah. Oh my- yeah. 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 As well, like yeah. he
3: just he doesn't say like a single he barely addresses her and he kind of just orders her around. But like she yeah. calls him uh my love, but he doesn't ever say like a yeah. single affectionate thing. Right. And when she does talk about how they met, he like Tells her to shut up and that she doesn't know how to act in public. Oh,
0: yeah. Yes. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like, he's just the, going back to what you said before, Sean, about how he's actually so neutral all the time, but you can feel how dangerous mm. he is all the time as well. Yeah. Like, and that neutrality makes it so much more intimidating. Yeah.
4: yeah. It's, it's that horrific, um, but perfect example of how, like, so here's the thing: you have the pale man who very easy to understand how he operates. Mm. If you <laughs> eat his food, he kills you. Yep. <laughs> yeah, right, that's it.
3: And he prefers children.
4: And he prefers children. He's got an appetite yeah. for children. Yeah. You can seal him away. He's still out there. That's the thing. That's one thing I do hate: is that she just seals him up. He's still awake. <laughs> right. Because right? I assume, I assume the pale man just keeps awake until he has fed. Mm. So, oh, that's grim. Like Next that. kid that goes down there, fucked. So anyway, so is that pile of shoes? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ugh. So, yeah, so Pale Man, understandable. He is a literal monster with mm. eyes f- in his hands. He is horrific looking. Yeah. But you understand how he operates. Vidal is this weird... You have so neutral, so blank. And then mm. you have that like whole sequence where he's got, they've got the stutterer tied up. And he's like, oh, yeah. if you can count to three without stuttering, yes. I will let mm. you go. So fucked. And just the way he goes from the guy starts trying to say three and he, yeah. he stutters... And it's just, it's it's a second he says, I'm sorry, and then just hits him like with a hammer. Like, it is, it's not like he gloats about it, it's right. not like he menaces about it, it's not like it's anything. It's just one beat of his heart, and then it's violence. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's you, you literally compare the two biggest monsters in the film mm. and the pale man, easy to fight, <laughs>
1: right. so easy to
4: fight, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Don't eat the food, <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: Del Toro's inspiration for the Pale Man is actually the Catholic. He's, he's based the Pale Man on the Catholic Church.
3: There's a Vatican vibe in that room.
2: Yeah. He's very against the Catholic Church, but that character specifically the Pale Man because the idea is it's got everything that it needs on the table, but it, instead it chooses to hurt children.
4: Oh, wow. Yeah. That's brutal. Whack. <laughs> yeah. That's <laughs> On that, I
2: did also
0: read that the the eyes and the hands is like a form of stigmata, yeah. which is obviously yeah. also, yeah. He's so what so a design! Cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, on that, I want to also give a special mention to the toad uh, and it—it's vomiting of the <laughs> ugh, disgusting pink mess, and then the deflating of its like remains. It was so grotty and It's gross. so gross. Like, <laughs> it, it's so repulsive. I
3: can't help. I um. Yeah. Do you guys remember pizza pockets?
4: Yeah. Every time oh, yeah, it first yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: open I think of a pizza pocket, <laughs> which is so fun. <laughs> Delicious. <laughs> <laughs>
4: Haven't had a pizza pocket since watching Pants. Just no. can't do yep. it. Never will again.
0: <laughs> All right, let's jump to did our characters act wisely or foolishly?
2: <laughs> yeah, look, I want to say the obvious one. Yeah, let's start with the obvious start. But then, the yeah, one. when you break it down, you're like, oh, I get it. Yep. The whole movie is about, you know, uh, rebelling, really. Mm. <laughs> that's yes, just what she's yeah. doing in that moment. Right.
3: Is, well, yeah, like if she... She's a little kid yep. Yep. who, for fairly understandable reasons, people have forgotten to feed her for like the last <laughs> twenty-four hours.
1: Mm. Yep. She's
3: just made it past this terrifying monster. She's feeling a little cocky because mm. she found the right door. She's gonna sneak a grape and yep. uh, get two fairies horribly guilty.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. That's. I think there's enough yeah. there to forgive it, but like, easily when I saw that, I was like, yep. what are you doing? Like, there's one rule. It seems easy to follow. Don't eat the grape, love. Uh, especially,
2: Especially she's just grape. chowing down on... surely only two grapes, Go right? for a fucking tart. Right. You, <laughs> you can't hear Pale Man getting up and coming towards you. Right. fucking ears painted on, Those kid. Those fingernails are <laughs> noisy. <laughs> yeah, actually, they are noisy. They're disturbing. Everything about the design of that creature is so fucked. Yeah. awful. Like, they're not yeah, even yeah. nails
3: Del Toro <laughs> yeah, sat that. next to
2: Stephen King during the screening of this mm. movie, and he said that Stephen King, like, That scene fucked him. He just was like squirming in his seat, and Del Toro said it was better than winning an Oscar. Highest praise of his career. That's great.
4: That has to be it, though, right? Like, if if you're an Oscar's great and being recognized by your peers is great, but making Stephen King want to kill himself. That's like, yeah. I made the king of... The, the guy is the master of horror right. and I made him pierce his pants. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Stunning. Oh, that rules. Uh, yeah.
0: Another foolish thing. That's definitely, look, the stakes aren't as high, but when mum put the dress on her at the start of the day <laughs> and you're like, this is a girl who loves being outdoors. Yeah. Come on. Rookie mistake. Yeah. Like, on, save
3: mum. it until like... Two seconds before she's due at dinner. Yes. But also like I love that moment, like, and it's such a little kid thing. Mm. She's like standing outside this obviously muddy tree that she's about <laughs> to climb into, yep. gets shit all over her shoes, she's like, oh, I'm gonna hang these here, yep. crawl in real
0: quick, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll
3: get dressed, go back, no one will notice. It's gotta be
0: perfect, yeah. I'll just do And them she comes out
3: like fully covered in mud and then the dress is muddy, she's like, Oh no. <laughs>
0: Who could have guessed? Exactly. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I think one of you guys mentioned this one before, but when Mercedes has the chance to kill Vidal, yes. and she d- yeah. and she doesn't. That's a yeah. bad choice. Yeah, that's baffling because
0: yeah. she literally even tells him she's going to kill him. Like, and again, yeah. yes, we definitely get the greater killing later and the killing of his spirit through you know your someone even rem- won't even know your name. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I immediately was like, oh, make a note of that because that's yeah cardinal sin, right? Yeah. Yeah,
3: she went for the gloat instead of the. Efficient mm. kill. Yep. Went for
4: the gloat instead of the throat. Hey, Brilliant. there we go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Goes, Thank you. You, you set that up for me. Uh, I hit it back. Yeah, that's it. Makes the dream work. It's beautiful to uh, <laughs> I can't believe I'd said that. Just bury me alive. You've been locked out too long, Tom. I have. Yeah. Oh, that was far too motivational speaking.
3: Um, but I do think it's interesting that she does that because like, mm. her previous thing was that like, The thing she's kind of cutting herself up over is the fact that she thinks she isn't brave, despite the fact that she's living in this guy's house. And, like, I don't want to get too film wankery Mm. meta about it, but basically her whole life is being in the pale man's hallway. And, like, you know, she's with this guy. She can't take his stuff or he'll notice. Right. um, That's great. And, yeah, she's basically in danger all the time. Mm. But she sees herself as not being brave because she's not openly standing up to him. Right. And I think in that moment when she kind of wants him to know that she's been doing this, that's her saying, Look, I'm I'm brave too. Yeah. And then it's a dumb thing because that's what machismo bravery gets right you.
0: yeah yep. like that's the thing it's so much easier for the almost it's easier for the rebels in the woods to be that openly against him and fight them and shoot them and all the rest yeah she's mm. easily the way braver of the lot because she's doing the yeah. most hardest impossible thing ever she's living with this shark of a man every
1: day and
3: mm. he is fully like he's not creeping on his wife at all but mm. like the moments he shares with mercedes are really like unnerving like yeah. he's kind of that's the there's that kind of sexual threat to it um but he's definitely, like, playing with her in every mm. scene. Like, you kind of wonder, does he know that she's helping them yeah. way earlier than he reveals it? Or is he just being an yeah. absolute skis?
1: Yeah.
0: Mm. It's mm. maybe a bit of both. The guy's a prick. Yeah, yeah.
1: He's a bad
3: mm. man. He's
0: a bad man. Oh, yeah. All right. How would the four of us do? Bad. Pretty bad, <laughs> I think. <Yeah. laughs> well, it's, a, it's like, okay, I've got a few questions for this okay. one. One, can we complete the trials? Let's start there. Let's go for the labyrinth now, side Are we first.
3: working as a team or are we each doing it...
0: Ooh, okay, maybe we each take a trial. Who wants to take Toad? No. I'll,
4: I'll, <laughs> I don't want any I'll of them. I'll take
3: Toad. I'll be honest, I'm three for three failing this shit. <laughs> at least you're I'll honest.
2: be honest, I, would, I will take Pale Man. Oh, Sean, that's, yeah. that's no, big. that's I, because I listen to the instructions. I just won't take any of the food. <laughs> grapes? I had grapes yesterday. <laughs> I
1: don't give a shit about grapes. Say, well, there are
3: three of us. I'm pretty good at seeing three options and like, like, I've read Shakespeare and I've watched Indiana Jones, <laughs> okay. so I know that when there are three options yeah. and one is shit-looking, you choose the shit-looking one. <laughs> so if you can get me past the pale man, yeah. I'll do the doors, and you just slap me if I try and okay, it. Okay, <laughs> okay. No, I fair. think we
2: have it's to work fair. as a
4: team. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. we have to. Uh, the, the question I have to you, though, is mm. on that, is the third trial how the movie ends, or is there actually a third trial that she never gets uh, to do Right, because she fails it? At-
0: oh, well, I guess that that brings me to my next question. was like, do we actually have to die to win here? Is that the only win you get?
3: Yeah, well, actually, because if you want to go to Fairyland, yeah, I think you do have to die. Th- or at least the third trial technically was was sacrificing herself for an innocent, which I'm going to fail. I'm, I'll be <laughs> rude.
4: Um We would all fail. We're if, all cowards. If a
3: big scary fawn says, do you want to prick... Th-
4: the finger
0: of, yeah, yeah.
3: Like a baby and have a little drop of blood come out. Would that be fine with you? And I'd probably be like, yeah, yeah, look, yeah. i right.
0: come. This he's far. got lots of blood. He'll be he's, fine.
3: Like, he's just yelled at me for not following his <laughs> rules. I'm not going to not follow them now. <laughs> <laughs> but if we don't do anything, like, so we don't go and hmm. do these trials, the worst thing that happens is that Mercedes will adopt us and be our that's new mum. That's true. Mom. And that sounds it's, great. it's pretty good.
0: Yeah.
2: It would be good. Real... The teacher in Matilda sort of
0: vibe.
3: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And like, I just, I think, I think that might be better. Yeah. yeah. Well, like,
0: that's the thing I think about the, the king and the queen in fairy realm. You're like, if this is your supposed daughter, couldn't you just be like, all right, come on down. Don't worry about some tests. We'll just have you. You're our daughter.
3: Yeah. I think as well, like, because she's a fairy, they had to get, like, the mortal out of her or whatever. Right,
0: yes. Well, I did read an interesting, I don't know if it was a fan theory or it's it's actually, uh, if del Toro's confirmed or anything like that, but someone said that because the... Princess sort of had had lots of iterations before, but they had all failed the tests. I read one thing where someone suggested that Mercedes was one of the previous Princess iterations, but obviously didn't pass the
2: tests. He didn't confirm that. I read oh, that one you? too. Yeah, but okay. he said that he liked to yeah. set the film up in that way where there's all sorts of little pathways you could go right. down. Yeah. He said nothing, nothing you think about it is wrong, yeah. basically. <laughs> Love it.
3: The, um, the novelization is yeah. quite interesting because it clearly... I think, because he has been asked like a lot of times, a bunch of fan theories that he's kind of like politely said, believe yeah. what you want. Um, but the novelization is quite interesting because it pretty much keeps everything exactly the same, except it makes it more on the nose that Ophelia is very hungry when she goes down yes. into <laughs> yeah. the Hellman's man's thing. And then there's like, and the food is enchanted, so she's extra interested <laughs> yeah, in it. Yeah. Well,
4: I-, I was going to say, rewatching it, because the first time I'm like, oh no, she's just really hungry, but... In her defense, the minute she clocks the food, there's like a change in music and her face changes. And I took it as the minute she's actually looked at the food properly, the food's like eat me. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So as soon as you look at it, that's it.
3: Yeah. So the food is also like extra, like enchanted to lure you in. So it's kind of like a siren. That makes sense. Yeah. 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 But yeah. So all throughout the all throughout the novelization, there's these um new fairy tales kind of um like these really really short stories that kind of tell. The stories of um, the fawn and a bunch of other people sort of vaguely connected to the story. Mm -hmm. And kind of like it mentions Mercedes's knife and Mm -hmm. Vidal's pocket watch, which are both sort of linked to a witch who died in the area like generations before. So it's kind of hinted at the fact that they might be distantly related. Right. But Ophelia's spirit kind of gets reincarnated lifetime to lifetime. So it kind of like negates that theory. But Mm. at the same time, like it kind of says that Mercedes has a magic, like that knife that she carries around Mm. is like magic because it protects her, but it also shaves away the masks of men.
0: (laughs) And Vidal's
3: shaving razor Mm. was turned bloody by like one of his ancestors. And so when you use it, it brings up all of the worst memories you've ever had.
0: Oh, that's awesome. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah.
3: So, it's, it's a really cool read. I would recommend it if anyone wants to go full full nerd on this one. <laughs> yeah, nice. Uh, we,
4: we could do that. We, we could be very easily persuaded. Yeah. <laughs> in fact, I have been persuaded. Yeah. Um, I, Damo, I've, I have a question. I have I have a question. Please. And when the movie ended, I turned to my girlfriend and asked her this question as well.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: Um, fairyland, real or fake?
0: Real. Oh, I'm in the real category. Yeah, I'm definitely all over the real side of
2: this. I, I think... It's like Del Toro said that there's, you could look at it and and go from both angles, I think, because you can look at some of the design of the house and you can see like the fawn's face in like three or four spots in the house. Okay. So it's that idea of like her real world blending into her fantasy world Mm. to kind of like as escapism. But, uh, because that was what I thought. I kind of thought, oh, because you have that point of view shot of Vidal's. Yes. Where she's talking to nobody. Mm -hmm. And that's the only type of shot in the film like that. Yeah. And so that leads you to think, oh, okay, it's all in her head. But then Del Toro came out and was like, no, no, I, it's real. Like I meant for <laughs> yeah. it to be real. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. can look at it the other way if you want, but I mean for it to be real.
3: He used to answer that question kind of like, oh, you know, it's whatever, mm. but like yeah. it, the other thing the novel does is very much say like, it's real, guys. It's yeah. <laughs> it's very much real. No. He even has that moment, because I was flicking through it this morning just to check, and I'm um, like that moment when Vidal sees her talking to no one. It's like the description is like, maybe he just believed too much grown-up nonsense to be able to see what was there.
0: Right, yeah. So that makes yeah. sense that, yeah,
4: Vidal, there is no way on earth any fairy or magical creature is visible yeah. to Vidal. He's a piece of shit shark man.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> I have this I have this quote by Del Toro, which is his idea of the what the essence of the film is. Mm-hmm. And he said, The tyrant's reign ends with his death, but the mother Rada's reign starts with his death and he says, I think that that is the essence of the movie. It's about living forever by choosing how you die. He's, he's very much in the camp of, no, sh- it's oh, real. Okay. There's
4: <laughs> even that final shot where the tree blooms, which means mm. that the seeds mm. were real, which means that killing the frog was real, which means that, you know. Right. The whole There's thing also
3: is- um, that moment where Mercedes and Pedro find the chalk door in her mm. room that yep. was locked and she wasn't able to leave except by yeah, the chalk yeah. door so I think there are a few moments in the film that definitely try to tell you that it's the text rather than
1: yeah.
3: mm. a theory but yeah
0: yeah mm. fuck subtext
3: also just, I, think, I think Guillermo del Toro there's no way he's going to make a movie where the monsters aren't general, like genuine yeah, yeah. literal monsters yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah he loves monsters too much yeah. he's crazy for monsters he's a monster yeah. boy yeah look
3: I think he just hates subtext as well he's like this is the movie we seen Pacific
4: Rim there's no subtext in that movie <laughs> You love that, don't you? Uh, look, it's not an amazing movie, but there's just yeah. some. But you love it. Idris Elba standing in a, a room full of giant robots and soldiers and announcing mm. that tonight they're cancelling the apocalypse <laughs> is so fucking good.
3: Yeah. He's so frequently like excellent in movies that are truly garbage. Because he's good.
4: Mm-hmm. Man's yes. good.
3: <laughs> he's consistent. Damn. We like that.
0: All right, so we all get adopted then. Is that the oh, uh, yeah. end game here? Yeah, yeah. yeah, You know what I like about that? Is that you're, that beautiful quote you
4: just said, Sean, about choosing how mm-hmm. you die.
0: And all of us are like, oh, no, thank yeah. you. <laughs> cowards, right?
4: Live forever in fairyland. That sounds fun, but I don't want to get stabbed. That would hurt for a bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look,
3: I don't think any of us are brave enough to be princesses, so let's just be hardcore rebels.
0: Yeah, <laughs> sounds perfect. <Sean. laughs> well, that is all the scary talk we have for this episode. I've been Damien. I've been Sean. I've been Tom.
3: I've been Kynwin.
0: And once again, thank you so much for coming on and chatting this awesome movie with us, Kindwin. You're welcome. You've chosen the best movie. I'm so happy.
3: I'm so glad that I chose something you didn't all turn around and go, actually, we think this is shit because I would have had to leave (laughs) immediately.
0: (laughs) It's like one of the few times I was just genuinely excited like I knew I was gonna love it 'cause I've all this all the Del Toro stuff I've watched lately has been so great. And I was just excited to watch
2: Scardy Boys movie. It's it's a rarity. Yeah.
3: yeah. I'm glad to have brought this to your lives. And Kymen,
2: you've got a new book out.
3: <laughs> yes, I do. What
2: is it about and where can we find it?
3: Um firstly, how dare you make me remember what the book I wrote is about. Yeah. <laughs>
1: um
3: but yeah, so actually I guess this is probably relevant because I think Guillermo del Toro was probably a subconscious influence on this one. Um, yeah. So this uh, it's called The Misadventures of an Amateur Naturalist. Um, it's like a cozy, whimsical, occasionally spooky um, historical fiction mm-hmm. um, about a young woman who wants to be a natural scientist. Um, and then through a series of, like, well-meaning but very poor choices ends <laughs> up in the lair of a monster. Um, and it's kind of like a sort of lesbian Beauty and the Beast charming awesome. thing. Sounds great. Um, oh, and you can find it. Uh, I guess check out my website. There's all the links. Otherwise, just Google it. It comes up.
0: Cool. Awesome. We'll do. Heck yeah. Thank you. Cool. Thanks again, Kynwin. And if you scared any listeners would like to contact us, you can do so at threescaredboys at gmail.com or you can find us on Twitter at Scaredy Boys or individually I'm at pajamas. I'm at Carney from fifty five. I'm at awkwardtreed.
3: And I'm at feed the writer.
4: Stay scared, everyone. Went for the gloat instead of the throat.